Welcome to the Raise with Jesus podcast, the audio home for Resurrection Lutheran Church of Maumee, Ohio. You've got your daily Bible reading for November 13th, looking at the book of Romans, chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised in advance through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. And this gospel is about his son, who in the flesh was born a descendant of David, who in the spirit of holiness was declared to be God's powerful son by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we receive grace and the call to be an apostle on behalf of his name, to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles, including you, who are called by Jesus Christ. To all those loved by God who are in Rome, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, I thank my God through Jesus Christ concerning all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. To be sure, God, whom I serve with my spirit by proclaiming the gospel of his Son, is my witness to how constantly I make mention of you. In all my prayers, I always ask if perhaps at last a way might be opened, if God wills, for me to come to you. I certainly long to see you, in order that I may deliver some spiritual gift to you, so that you are strengthened, that is, when I am with you, that we will be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, yours, and also mine. I do not want you to be unaware of the fact, brothers, that I have often planned to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now. I wanted to have some fruit among you in the same way as I did among the rest of the Gentiles. I have an obligation both to Greeks and non-Greeks, to the wise and to the foolish. That is why I am eager to proclaim the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. From the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed by faith. For faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This is the word of our God. We will continue with the rest of chapter 1 tomorrow. And then I think we'll go basically chapter by chapter through the book of Romans. Because the chapter divisions fall quite well according to the, the themes and the train of thought that Paul takes up in this book. But first, as we consider his introduction, the introductory statement in this letter that he's, that he's writing to a Christian church at Rome, a group of Christians that he's never met, a Christian church that perhaps had been started by the Apostle Peter. And Paul is probably writing this from Corinth. He's um, just basically across the Adriatic Sea at the, the bottom of Greece there. And um, in Italy is across the Adriatic, and the very heel of the boot is closest to him. But he's writing this letter to the Church of God at Corinth, and look at look at this verses one and two. Um, Jesus, Paul talks about his his divine commission to be a servant of the gospel of God, a gospel that he had promised in advance in the Holy Scriptures, but a gospel that is revealed clearly in the person and work of Jesus Christ. The promise of forgiveness from the Old Testament fulfilled in the forgiveness won by Jesus Christ himself. 
verse 3 of the gospel is about his son. And then we have this curious construction. In the flesh was born a descendant of David, and the spirit of holiness was declared to be God's powerful son by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. And I think what we have here, um, obviously, in the flesh, talking about Jesus as to his humanity, but also, I think it's also an allusion to um, his period of humiliation and exaltation. Perhaps you remember that from Bible class, that the time of that we call humiliation, not that Jesus was embarrassed, but humiliation, meaning that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, chose to um, refrain from using a lot of his power, glory, and honor. And then after his resurrection, he takes up life in a state of exaltation, where he again fully and frequently uses his divine power, glory, and honor um, for his own glory and for the good of his people, his church. And I think that's the, the greater picture that we have going on in verses 2 and 3, that yes, Jesus Christ in the flesh, it descended from David, and yes, in his resurrection from the dead, was declared to be uh, the one who holds the keys to death and hell. But also, importantly, that this same Jesus who shares your humanity is now exercising all of his divine power, glory, and honor for the good of his church, here and around the world. And through this Jesus, we have grace. And here, Paul talks about um, his call to be an apostle, that God had spoken, spoken to him directly, and that that call, that what we call an immediate call, where Jesus spoke to him directly on the road to Damascus, that immediate call was then affirmed later on by the church, as they would send Paul out on specific, specific ministry journeys. And the purpose, the obedience of faith, and the translation there, the obedience of faith, many translations will try to skew it one way or the other, the obedience that comes from faith, as though the purpose of the gospel is to bring human lives into obedience to God, that is right action or moral action. And others kind of skew the translation the other way, the obedience, namely, faith that faith itself is obedience to God, and then it's up to the, the reader to decide if that obedience is my own action or an obedience that God created in, within my own heart. But when he says in verse 5, the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles, uh, to bring this about, <laughs> Paul is just saying that when God brings us to faith, he brings you into a right relationship with him. And obviously that right relationship with him has fruit and has results in the life of each individual Christian. And also for you, that you were called by Jesus Christ to this obedience of faith. That is to say that you've been made a member of the family of Jesus so that this same Jesus Christ, who, according to his humanity, is a direct descendant of King David, and this same Jesus Christ, who rules with all things under his feet for the good of his church, this same Jesus wants to work through you to extend his kingdom. And that's, that's the setting. 
And that's the the introduction to the letter. Verse verse seven. Paul finally gets to the uh, the address where he we in our letters would say, "Dear so and so," and then conclude with a signature, sincerely um, in Christ, Pastor Hagen, or whatever. But unrolling a scroll, they begin with um, the signature. They see who it is from, and they see the context in which he's writing, the the closing signature line, and then they get to the, who is this sent to? The ones loved by God in Rome, called to be saints, God's holy people, grace and peace from our God and Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul gives a little bit of a background that he has wanted to go to Rome for some time, that he's been planning to go, but there's been obstacle after obstacle. And he deals with this when he writes to the Corinthians as well, that um, he wanted to come visit them, but some other things came up and he had to change his plans. And in Corinth, um, some of the opposition was using that to discredit Paul. What kind of an apostle is this? He can't even keep his calendar straight. How are we supposed to listen to what God has to say from this man? Um, And Paul heads that idea off at the pass here with the Romans. He says, I've tried and I've wanted to come, but um, it just hasn't been possible. And he thinks he's going to be coming soon, but this letter just kind of prepares the way. And eventually Paul will come to Rome on his fourth missionary journey, um, he will be sent to Rome, and he will stand trial, and he'll arrive at Rome in chains, and the Church of God at Rome will welcome him, and sending welcoming parties to meet him and greet him at every step along the way as he um, makes his way to Rome as a prisoner in his fourth missionary journey. Now, as far as we know, and what we kind of surmise from what he says in his other letters, especially um, First and Second Timothy and Titus, we surmise that um, that Paul was under house arrest for some time there at Rome, and then our assumption is that he was released, and that he may have gotten all the way to Spain. Uh, we don't know. Um, but that he probably went back around through the Aegean Sea, visiting the churches that he had started there, like in Ephesus and Philippi and Thessalonica and Corinth. Um, And then the opposition to him catches up to him up in Troas, um, Asia Minor, you know, modern-day Turkey, at the north part, kind of where the the Isthmus is there, or uh, that's at the Straits of Bosporus, Um, up by the Black Sea almost. And the opposition catches up with him there, and he is sent to Rome again for inciting riots against the the Roman government. Of course, another trumped-up charge, but it is what it is. And in that imprisonment, what we kind of refer to as his second Roman imprisonment, he writes 2 Timothy. And part of the reason and the reasoning for this distinction among the letters is just the tone that Paul strikes, because all the other letters that he writes, there's this optimistic tone. And 2 Timothy, he knows he's at the end. And some of the people that he had mentioned in earlier letters have turned their backs against him or have turned against him in court and have hurt him deeply, whether 
hurt him personally or hurt his feelings because he cared about him and he loved him or have actually perpetrated legal harm against him. At any rate, when he gets to Second Timothy, he'll be sitting in a dungeon in Rome and knowing that his time is short and that God will be taking him to heaven soon. But all that is probably 15 years in the future from the writing of the book of Romans. And so Paul writes to them, and he doesn't know that that these very Christians he's writing to may be some of the very people who um, will spend his final days with him at the end of his life. But he writes to them as fellow Christians, people whose souls have been have been washed by the blood of Jesus. And so in conclusion, Paul builds up to his major thesis statement for the entire book of Romans, verse 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation, for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. From the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed by faith, for faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. His major point that he is driving to. He says that he's not the one that matters, really. That he lays out his credentials and his travel plans, but he says, but you know what? I can, I can be ashamed of some of the things I've done in my past. That's what he says in Second Timothy. But he says, I have no reason, no cause, no excuse to be ashamed of this Jesus. Because Jesus is able to guard and, and, and carry out everything that he has promised. This is the Jesus that we serve. And so in conclusion, um, I'd like to refer to the opening devotion at a recent conference I attended from Pastor Nathan Strutz. Um, he, he's pastor to a couple of churches um, north of Madison, Wisconsin. And he gave us an opening devotion that talked about the different D's. Um, that idea of talking with somebody and a conversation you dread or, um, or just the, the problems that you dread addressing, the topics that you dread coming up, whether it's, you know, sitting around the, the family table at a holiday and you dread the topic coming up, but it comes up anyway, or maybe it doesn't, and you, you work your way around it. But we see people, and sometimes we carry this idea of dread because of the interactions we've had with them in the past. But he said, try to think of them as dripping, dripping in the blood of Jesus, souls for whom Jesus died. And speaking of Christians, think of them as dripping also in the baptismal waters with which God washed away their sin and made them his own. And so there's every reason to think of our fellow Christians and to think of even every person that you will ever see with delight because God delighted in them so much to die for them. And that message of delight is what God has entrusted to you and to me. And that message of delight is what Paul echoes time and again 
as we get through the book of Romans, and as we will work through the book of Romans over the next couple of weeks, that God delighted to save you. And so there's no reason to to dread anything that the future holds, no reason to dread any conversation that we've been avoiding, no reason to to dread the people or the topic. There's every reason to think of people that you see as dripping in the blood of Jesus, people for whom Jesus died. And Jesus wants to use you to bring that message of the gospel to them. Obviously, we'll talk about that more. But think of that today as you go about your day from dread to dripping to delight. You can find us Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. 2250 South Holland Savinia Road in Maumee. You can also follow us on YouTube. Just search for Resurrection Maumee. And um, there's still time. Make sure to submit your Q&A questions for the Q&A episode that's coming up in a, probably a week or two. God bless your day. <laughs>